Welcome back to the Per Service Podcast and a very Merry Gigmas to you. At the time I publish this, it is the middle of December and I am in the throes of nutcrackers. I'm actually recording this in between services of nutcrackers down here with the Miami City Ballet. And that's, of course, one of the expressions that inspired the name of this podcast, that this is a show by and for classical musicians. And many of us find work playing with orchestras that pay per service. Haha, <laughs> get it? But lately, I've been thinking about some of the other uses of that term while I'm playing 10 shows a week here, that music is a service. And in my case, it's largely a service to elevate the dancers. And the dancers, in turn, are performing a service for the paying audience. Because music and art are meant to be shared. And if we're just doing this all in the pursuit of perfection, then what's the point, really? And even though we're, we're playing the same music here for 20 shows, each performance, each day, is a unique experience. And some days are better than others. And we have a different set of colleagues each week. And so we get together here to create some consistency in our ever-changing lives to talk about some of the interesting and difficult topics and hopefully find ways to encourage and inspire each other. And today, as I alluded to, we're looking at something that all of us have struggled with, or still struggle with, and that is being a perfectionist. What about it could be helpful, and how much of it is really harmful? It's an interesting conversation for sure. Jessica Wiersma, a violinist in Indianapolis, has a major epiphany on the show and drops the truth brahms on us for today. Anna Luce, a violinist in New York City, but now traveling the U.S. on the national tour of Hamilton. She lays the smackdown. Christian Marshall, a violist in Graz, Austria, and self-published author whose work you can now find on Amazon Kindle, asks some hard questions. And I'm Michael Giblin. I'm just trying to piece it all together. And we've got the return of Gig of the Week. One last thing is that we get some great support from Fix Music Publishing because they help cover the cost of hosting this podcast. And we really appreciate their support in helping this podcast get to your ears. So the next time you need to buy some sheet music, at least go check out fixmusic.com. They've got you covered whether you are a string player, wind player, brass player, singer, percussionist, thereminist. I'm not sure about the last one, but just about anything you need to play, Fix Music can hook you up and send it to you quickly and affordably. And because you are a dedicated per-service podcast listener, you can even get 10% off your entire order by using the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout. Nice. So go do that. Again, it's fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. All right, let's get to it. The basement guy wrote me back. I do have a package. They just don't have it together to let me know about it. So it's there. Wow. I like how he can email you, though, and be like, yes, we do have your package. But you went down there and they're like, we don't have one for you. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you just have this one. What? Come on, mailroom. Thanks, guys. <laughs> what mailroom, guys? Um, People and friends. Yes. Do we need to talk about any any business thing before we do it? Or we're we just going to go for it. What are I we guess- doing? Perfectionism. Well, I know. Okay. okay. Like... <laughs> So, I mean, I'm fine with whatever. I'm not like trying to be yeah. annoying. I, I want this to be perfect. Bye. You have unrelenting expectations. You're being well, mean. then you wouldn't be part of it, Anna. <laughs> I like when people I like when people say that about church. Like anytime someone wants to like change churches, they're like, 
no turtle be perfect if I'm a member. <laughs> like things like that. You know? I have never heard somebody say that. I've heard those sorts of things. You know, if like, I'm a member. Nobody will be. That's hilarious. Um, Christian, what what is your pre-planned yeah, plan? So it. okay, so here's my thing. One of my favorite phrases, which I think I kind of coined myself, is when I had re- <laughs> so many things wrong with us. <laughs> if I could, if I, I wish our listeners could see all of your faces because all three at once did this sort of like, oh, bless his heart, and I can't stand the guy. So okay, uh, <laughs> no really. Okay, one of my favorite phrases is when I had written on Facebook once, "Dear today, I'm trying to can, but I cannot." And today was one of those days. It was just difficult. And and I had a list of things to do and I did some of them, but just my energy was low and I'm feeling not as productive as I want to be. And then once I knew that we were going to be talking about perfection today, or I, you know, thought about that. Oh, we have this recording. We're talking about perfectionism. I asked myself, well, who said I have to be productive today? Who said I have to you know, get a whole ton of things done. Like, why can't I have a lazy Thursday and just do a couple little things that I like and mope around and, you know, have coffee and M&Ms? You know, I really thought about it. And then, of course, you know, you have the the thoughts like, oh, well, you know, it's society's expectations on you and we judge each other by how productive you are and how successful you are and what you have to show for it. And it's like, well, okay, but that still doesn't mean that I have to do that. But there is something, you know, I wonder, is it like, you know, is that some sort of perfectionism that's driving me or I'm, you know, worth something if I have a product at the end of the day or at least, you know, some results to show? Um, Because I I want to extend myself grace and say, like, it's not a big deal, Christian, like, you know, everyone can have this sort of day. But then again, if you extend yourself that sort of grace every day at the end of a year, you have nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and so well i guess that's someone is like how do, how do you feel at the end of a day like if you ha- if you give yourself a lazy day like then do you feel bad about it? not always but <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean that i have the motivation to be productive on the next day it's kind of like you lose you lose your momentum then like if if you just take too many well i was thinking that there's a difference between perfectionism and discipline. Well, that's no, that's just really interesting, you know, because if you're saying that there's a difference between this perfectionism and discipline, which I really like, I actually really like that thought. I wonder, do we as musicians have difficulty distinguishing between the two? And is it kind of a gray area in our minds of when we need to be disciplined, but be okay with things not being perfect? So I wonder if maybe the that line is blurred at times, because in order to progress, we have to practice, right? And when you're practice or prepare a lot of P words, or like if you have to prepare for a recital or an audition or a concert or whatever, you have to practice, right? There are like actual timelines that that stuff has to be done by. So there are times you have to be disciplined to do the practicing, but then it's all about, you know, that phrase, perfect practice makes perfect or whatever. I hate all of those. You know, and so I wonder, yeah, because it's not real. It's and it doesn't allow you any space to be a person that is not perfect and nobody is yeah. perfect. And it's it's tricky also because a lot of times we hold up these recordings or these heroes of the past as oh they were they were perfect and uh if you listen to the Heifetz recording like that's perfect. And it's like well somebody did it. 
But I think a lot of times we aren't even aiming for Heifetz level. It's it's we we have some just unattainable, unreachable striving for something that we'll realistically never never get. The the second kind of big part of perfectionism, I think, is then how you feel after we inevitably fail to reach this like unattainable goals. But and it's like it's it's good to have goals. It's good to have standards. But then if you feel bad about it, then and and you're connecting your self worth to failing to reach your unattainable goal. I guess so. That was why I was curious about like Christian. If it's almost like reverse perfectionism, like if you if you give yourself space, but then you feel bad about the space, is that just as worse as perfectionism? <laughs> so I think part of what I'm trying to say is I think it's the motivation behind things. Like, what is our reason for practicing? What is our reason, you know, what is the motivation for some of this stuff? And I think that's where we can sometimes get confused, Christian, between the self-discipline and the perfection, because you have to practice to get better. And so then if your mindset is, okay, I have to be perfect in this practice session, then we've maybe crossed that line of self-discipline into the perfectionism. Right. But then maybe so that makes my sense. next question off of now that does make sense. So my next question off of that is do we blow that up in scale when we have an audition? So I need to be then perfect to win this audition. If I didn't win the audition, I wasn't perfect. Yes. And then so all right, then which exactly you say yes, which makes me question again, is there a healthy perfectionism? Is there a healthy striving for a certain level? or a, a certain standard and saying, you know, really black and white, not like on a sliding scale, but, you know, inside the circle or outside the circle, is this in tune? Was, did this all have a good sound quality and <clears throat> striving for that versus this like big general blanket statement of, I have to be perfect to win this audition. I didn't win. I'm not perfect. I think there is a healthy way to be a musician or anyone in the performing arts, but I don't think there is a healthy way to be a perfectionist. Well, I think I have a thought. I feel like in practicing, we should strive for perfectionism. Isn't that like the whole point so that you do reach that 100% so that when you audition, you can hopefully be like 70 or whatever. I mean, if we don't strive for perfectionism in our practicing, then I don't, maybe I'm so flawed in my thinking, but is that perfectionism or is that excellence? Should you, Oh crap. Well, now we're just getting into definitions. (laughs) The thing is, because I am a perfectionist and like my issue is, well, I have a lot of issues, everyone, but, um, with the perfectionism that I'm finding, it has become debilitating in my plane. Yeah. Because I don't know, I'm not as fancy as you guys. And I like have never had a perfect practice session. And so like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't, very think I, I don't think I said that, but <laughs> carry well, on. <laughs> okay. I mean, so I could do something correct 99 times. If I miss one in 100, that's the time my perfect seeking brain is going to hang on to. And mm-hmm. I don't trust myself then because I wasn't able to do it this one time. So maybe this is going to be another one time that I can't do it. And then guess what? Then I, don't do it. And are you you're talking specifically like while you're practicing, like this is not in an audition or in a performance. I'm talking about when I'm playing in general. Yeah. These days. I would like to say something on that. Great. Yeah. I heard a definition for perfectionism once. 
And even though it came from um, the religious sector, so to say, I think Ew. there is. <laughs> sorry. I, can't, I can't leave that in. Yeah, you can. I'm sorry. Sometimes we got to be real Ew. about our feelings. Christian Ew. started again. Sorry. That's such a Jimmy Fallon like. Ew. I know. That's why I do Ew. it. L. L, guys. L. It's a religious sector. L. Um, <laughs> no. I once heard a great definition of perfectionism that has stuck with me. And I will actually add one more word to it, um, a word that Jess mentioned, debilitating. I really like that. And perfectionism is the depressing and debilitating belief that things can be made perfect by our power and our might. And I think that's so interesting when we think about ourselves as musicians. When we're so focused mm. on perfection, on picking up an instrument and using our skill and our knowledge and our talent and our diligence to make something perfect, we are closing out the actual wonder of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're creating unbelievable sounds, putting them together. We're really creating something incredibly special for that moment for ourselves or for an audience. And instead, we're feeding our mind this measurement, perfect or not, perfect or not, mm -hmm. what I want it to be or what I don't want it to be. How can there be room for this creativity or for this appreciation of this amazing music that we're making? Mm -hmm. And I really like that thought that Anna said, you know, in our practice, we should strive for perfection. But at some point, we have to let go and welcome this creative aspect. Here's one moment when I'm creating sound that it's here now and then it's gone. Why do our minds have to be busied with this belief of like, no, I have to get it perfect now? I mean, that's what I think it is. It's like perfection is hiding from ever presenting your music, ever showing up and saying, hey, this is what I've got right now. I know I've been on the Brene Brown kick since our last episode. I mean, let's just admit it, since the beginning of this podcast. But I think she wrote something that was like, the difference between excellence and perfection is not how well you can actually do something, but it's trying to control what people will think about it. And I think you're, you're right, Christian, that it's like, you could stay in your practice room forever and just keep trying to control it and keep trying to not actually present it. But I sort of like, that's why when you schedule a recital or you, you have a concert, it's like, Hey, it's, it's going to happen. Like you have to, you have to perform. Well, I think that was what I was trying to say and didn't say it well was it depends on your motivation behind it. And usually perfectionism is about trying to control things so that other people will perceive you in a certain way or, as performing artists, like our self worth is wrapped up in it, which is very normal. Yeah. But then sometimes, you know, you might have a bad performance or a bad audition or a bad practice day even. And then you think that like you are bad or, you know, like you don't actually say those words out Absolutely. loud, but it's kind of yeah. what we end up yeah, we're, we're thinking. thinking yeah. At least yeah. subconsciously. And I think yeah. that if we strive for perfection and if you need to not call it that fine, but I feel like it's okay if I tell myself, I would like to strive for perfection in my practice sessions and then be okay with letting it go when I do give it to the world. You know, that whether you want to call it perfection or excellence, like you're saying, Michael, that that's up to you and your definition. But I think I'm, the, I live my life like this too, where I, I'm like, yeah, I want to be perfect in the practice room. And then if something happens, I'm like, well, oh, well. 
And and honestly, like I'm not in the audition zone right now. So I'm sure that if I was to experience this a couple of times and feel like I've had big failures consistently, then I'm sure that my mind shift would change. So it's all fine and dandy for me to say this now, but I, I realize it may not be based in reality. So you don't sound like you're a perfectionist. I mean, I don't... <laughs> like if, if no. you're, you're okay with putting out there and be like, hey... Mistakes happen. No, I mean, I still really care what people think about me for sure. So I'm Mm -hmm. very much hung up on that as well. And like the identity being in my music and all of that, like I've struggled with that big time. But as far as like coming down to it, unless I just totally bomb, which has happened before and I do feel crappy afterwards, of course, I'm just like, oh, well, it is what it is. I need to do better. I usually blame myself and my lack of discipline these days anyway. It's all, it's very convoluted. It's lovely. How do you get to that mind shift, right? So like if you're practicing, you know, we usually, we have like a, a certain thought process that we're going through on whatever we're working on, right? So when you get into the performance and you get to that one spot, how do you turn off that thought process and turn off that brain process to just let it go in the performance? Well, I think I actually, I mean, this is very personal, but I, and like may not apply to you guys, but I went through the period of my life when I was like 16 to probably 22 or so, where whenever I would perform, like play, I did a lot of competitions at the time with Tchaikovsky Concerto. Still have like a little PTSD from that. But I would always, yeah, and maybe Mendelssohn, but I did, you know, some bigger pieces as a younger person. And my mom started to notice in the beginning, like in the first five minutes of every performance, I would basically sabotage myself because one time I missed a shift big time or had a memory slip. And it was like, I needed to have that mistake happen so that I could go on. And I really started to lose my brain about it as a young person, because I was like, why does this happen? I know I know this music, you know, but, but it was almost like I allowed myself to have this huge slip up Mm -hmm. so that I could keep going in the piece, which doesn't make any sense. And it causes you such mental distress on stage. Right. And so I went through a period where I was like, I have to understand why this is happening. And I was like really beating myself up about it and like sabotage and, and trying to figure that out. And one day I just woke up and I was like, I'm not enjoying performing music and I've got to figure this out. Otherwise Mm. it's not worth it for me to be in this anymore. Wow. So I think maybe I just battled with that whole struggle very early on. And it was just like, I know if I let myself go there again, I'm not going to enjoy music anymore. It's interesting. It sounds like a perfect performance was in a way an idol for you. This is the ultimate goal. Like this is the best thing that I could have. And that reminds me of this story I heard. A couple went out and bought a brand new car and were super in love with it. And they brought it home. And the husband told his wife, like, wait here for a second. And he went in the house and came back out with a hammer, hit the fender and put a little dent in it. And she was like, you're insane. Like what? And he goes, now the first, you know, scratch has happened. And whatever happens next, we don't care as much. We're done. I mean, it's kind of like that, Anna. The first mistake was there. So then it didn't matter as much what came after that. You were much more peaceful. And I think that's that's how perfection actually sabotages music making. We have this idol of a perfect performance and we can't relax and enjoy until we either know, yes, we're going to have that or, oh, okay, I'm relaxed. We're not going to have that. Oh, darn, my perfect performance is not happening today. Yeah. (laughs) That makes every day in a row now. (laughs) No, really, you know? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's so weird, though, the mental game and like where you reach your breaking point and you're just sick of something. And maybe that's, I don't know. 
I don't well, know how to tell you to get there, but no, it's because like back in the day before when I was doing better, <laughs> well, that just sounded <laughs> like I was really sick and I'm not, I'm not sure what's happening right now. And I was doing this competition and it was the same, you know, I kind of went into it with like, okay, it's gotta be perfect. Cause I was up against, you know, really good people. And I missed something like, I, I don't know. I missed a shift. And I was like, and my thought process was, okay, well, I've already lost. So now I'm just going to enjoy it. And yep. then yep. I won. <laughs> yes. And, but it was yeah. just like such an interesting thing. Cause like, you know, you miss one thing. And I was just like, well, it's done. I so I'm just going to have a good old yeah. time. Like I never get to play this piece with accompaniment, yeah. like in the full, you know, the whole thing. And type, I don't know, that was a different type of like audition performance thing. And now it's the orchestra stuff is just like really messed up my brain. So I don't know. I'm working I guess that's a question I keep thinking about is, do you have to have a perfect audition like to win in audition. I've repeatedly been told no. You know, I was at a party recently and was talking to this um, member of the orchestra about exactly this topic. And he's like, he went around the room and he told me this person didn't have a perfect audition, but they're still here and you know, they're playing and they play like, it's amazing. You know, like it's great, but they didn't play a perfect audition. This person blew this one thing, but like we still hired them because they sounded, you know, like, so no, you don't have to, but then at the same time, sometimes you just wonder like, why did you not advance then? Or why did you not get it when you feel like, and I think that's where we can really start driving ourselves crazy. But, um, I believe the answer to that is no, you don't have to have yeah. a perfect audition to win a job or to get into school or whatever your situation is. Yeah. We also like don't advocate obviously then like, Oh, then if you like are constantly missing something in your practice session, like don't worry about it. But so there is that balance of like, you have to figure it out and you have to do your work. Right. And then right. figure yeah. out how though you can still like play music and not sabotage or debilitate yourself with negative thoughts about it. I, I mean, I think there are, there is still a debate on, whether there are like adaptive or maladaptive ways to deal with perfectionism, it's very easy for all to become really negative. If you're connecting your self-worth to, I didn't play, I didn't play like Heifetz today and uh, crap, I'm never going to get there. And, and it's just this kind of downward spiral that it's like, well, you're, you're always setting yourself up for, for defeat. If you're always striving for this, these unattainable goals. I don't think it's really the goals that's the problem. It's this that you're identifying yourself as somebody that is striving for that. Or it's like, I'm I'm a perfectionist. And it's really just kind of this kitschy way of saying, like, I'm better than you. I'm I'm awesome. Like I do things, I'm a perfectionist. And it's like Right. Uh, Which Jess is not saying I wanna I wanna say. <laughs> I think <laughs> No, I actually it's I don't think being a perfectionist is good. Like, well, that, well, so, I don't know. I'm sort of like question that I, I still have is like, I feel like over the course of my life, my perspective of is a perfectionist, a good thing or a bad thing has sort of changed and it's gone. I've gone back and forth. What? So that's maybe something I was curious about. What do you guys think? It's I th if you're a true perfectionist, the problem with it is your thought process. Right. And, and that's your, what is dangerous. 
because it sets you up to just like, you're never happy with yourself. Right. I want to read this little thing because I think, I believe it's the Enneagram type one identifies as perfectionist. And I think that's what Jess is. And and this is helpful. It says perfectionists believe they must be good and right to be worthy. Consequently, perfectionists are conscientious, responsible, improvement oriented and self-controlled, but also can be critical, resentful and self-judging. And so it's like with each, I love the Enneagram, by the way, I'm really into it, but I do feel like it, it outlines your problem areas and what can be helped when you are this type of person and then also like what your downfalls are going to be. And so I feel like, sorry, sorry, just to like point you out in this episode (laughs) as the perfectionist, but I I feel like it's helpful because we all, you know, are going to come up against this at some point being musicians, but you just happen to embody it. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like there's some good parts that I wish I had of like perfectionists. This are like, like I wish I had the drive and the discipline and the motivation I think sometimes could be a nice thing. To <laughs> Me have. too. Well, Me sure. Too. And I think mm-hmm. I had that at yeah. more so when I was in school. For sure. I mean, but that can also um, just be like a situational thing, right? Like when you're around everybody that's doing the same thing or has similar goals. And when you're in school like that, for, yeah. you know, if you're fortunate enough that that is your job being in school and you don't have to worry about other things, it's way easier to do that. And then when you graduate and you have to like mm-hmm. pay bills and be a person in the world, it gets harder. What about you, Christian? Have you kind of always, do you think you've been a perfectionist or have you changed over the course of being in school and not in school or? Well, basically it's weird. It's not this sort of like perfectionist tendency, but it's like certain things have to be a certain way. And if they don't go that way, I, I literally start to, it's insane. <laughs> we, hmm changed it's like an orderly like you have to it's funny it's not even about order it's like we changed our ceiling lighting in the bedroom or whatever and there were a couple plastic clips you know to stick between the wire and the the chandelier or whatever and i could only find one and we should have three Mm -hmm. so then my wife was like oh just to shorten it like you know just hand me that wire or whatever and let me loop it and i like i started shaking like i was like this is not i don't because it was going to look different than the other one. And I it, I just couldn't. She was like, and then when we calmed down and we got it done my way, everything was fine. And then <laughs> I apologized, you know, That's and she was like, I know you're anal. I'm not. It's fine. Um, but then again, she has to have her desk really orderly and mine is not. So it's just, you know, I couldn't say I'm a cookie cutter perfectionist in that sense. But referring to the perfectionism, I think kind of analyzing or looking over our conversation, it sounds like the general difficulty is differentiating between perfectionism and excellence and what it means to strive for either of those. And then when does satisfaction and acceptance come into play? You know, when can you be satisfied with your path of progress and your you striving for excellence or striving for perfection? When is it okay to say, yes, this is good enough I remember one time my uh, ear training teacher in college had said, you know, it's so important to learn how to play in tune because no one would go listen to their favorite band or play their CD if it was all out of tune. You know, this sort of basically, you know, it's like a black or white sort of issue. And then because in the music industry, there is a certain level of excellence or perfection or a standard that everyone has generally agreed upon. And you can go on Instagram now and find a lot of popular classical short videos that are not 
or let's just say like some are way above that standard or at that standard and the majority are below. And, you know, what about that? I I find that really difficult uh, to navigate with this whole perfectionism and excellence and that question. Here's the thing. You talked about like your professor said nobody's going to go see their favorite band or singer sing or play if they're out of tune. Well, that is not true because have you ever heard Lindsey Sterling's recordings? (laughs) Like if they're the actual recordings or the actual official videos, she plays in tune. Have you ever heard her live? She does yeah. not play. Train wreck. Have you ever heard any single band in the world in a live performance be in tune the entire time? Have you ever watched the national anthem being sung by very famous people in such an <laughs> atrocious manner? Uh, it's a really hard song. I know it's a really hard song, but like if you're getting paid $18 billion, yeah. I sometimes have it's less sympathy close. for the hardness yeah. of the piece. It's like you could have the same results but how you react, I think, is the important. Like, so say you you have a performance and you hit ninety percent of the notes. You could you could look at it one way and say, "Hey, you know, I hit ninety percent of the notes. I'm I'm making progress. I'm, you know, I realize I wasn't perfect, but I'm gonna go, you know, have a drink and relax because I worked really hard." And the perfectionist could say, "I missed ten percent of the notes. Like that's just not good enough. I'm never gonna get anywhere." if I'm not better than this and now I'm going to go practice four more hours because uh, you know, that wasn't good enough. When you're being, if you like have that thought, that second thought that you had, you know, where you're like, okay, Oh, it's not good enough. I have to go keep working. Then you've just made your, the whole performance about yourself as opposed to the people you're playing for. And I just realized this, like it is making it, Mm -hmm. So this sounds really mean, but it's ma- you're like being very self-centered when you're doing that. That's and what I'm saying. It's all about you. That's really hard because it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm so great. Like, I mean, you're actually tr- saying the opposite, but it is still making it about you. And when you make it about you, I don't know if you can play as well as you possibly can because you're hanging every little thing about you on every single note or every passage. And it's very selfish. And I just, I just wonder if the audience can hear that actually, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, this is just something that popped into my brain. I think, I think the audience doesn't hear that. <laughs> I just want to say that like, does, like does, there, not. does not, I feel like there are a lot of musicians who perform and it is all about them and audiences eat it up, but I don't validate that because I do think that you're right. I, I think that making it selfish and about us is exactly the problem. And how many times do we see performers and maybe even friends that we have when they play, we're like, oh, do you have to be so self-obsessed when while you're playing? <laughs> where, where do you think I was going with that? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, this could go so many, many directions. directions. But, but I'm saying like as as fellow performers, and, and I shouldn't discount all audience members because I, I do feel like some of them maybe do notice. So I shouldn't broad brush like that. But I think, and some of them eat it up when you're all about yourself, but that doesn't make it okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that just touched a nerve for me and I had, I like got, I got worked up. <laughs> you got triggered. I, I did. Actually. You went I'm into sorry. the red zone. <laughs> no, but I, I wonder... Um, like how many of us have been to performances of any kind? Okay. Whether we knew the people on stage performing or didn't. And how many of us have heard imperfect performances that we still really enjoyed and loved? 
And so I wonder like why we can't do that for ourselves. I guess that's where I'm at. Like I've heard a lot of performances of people I know of people I don't know where they haven't played perfectly. And I literally didn't care. Like I saw, um, on Sophie Mooter play, um, Brooke violin concerto. And she had, it was the opening night at, um, Carnegie. She's playing with Berlin and she had a memory slip and like, it was not like, I mean, it was a decently big memory slip. Like, you know, it's not like, like you could hear it. Mm-hmm. And I could, did not care at all. Like it didn't ruin the performance for me at all. And like, that's a piece I know really well. I've grown up listening to her, you know, whatever. But so my point is like, if I can mm-hmm. see past the flaws for other in other performances, like, why can I not do that for myself? And I think that's what perfectionism comes down to is that we can't see past it for ourselves at times. Yeah. That's a very good thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Truth Brahms. So how do we see it faster for ourselves? How do we get that? How do we get that, that was a hashtag. I wasn't flicking anybody off. Sorry. That was the Jimmy yeah. Fallon yeah. hashtag. <laughs> Have you seen the yeah, Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake? Yeah, I love it. Okay. Um, how, hey. How do we? <laughs> the perfectionist again, is deflecting. Mm. All I think it's a thing. thought process. Oh. For me, it's a, um, I mean, it's an, un, it's an undoing of an unhealthy thought process. Yeah. And kind of like a re-examining of like, what do I actually want in terms of, do I want to enjoy it or do I want to be petrified every time I start playing my instrument because I think people are going to think I'm the worst. Cause I used to like be the worst and I didn't care. Cause I just played, <laughs> you know, I'm like way better than I used to be. And I feel like I'm worse because you used to enjoy it more. Oh yeah. I used to like, Cause it's one of those things like where you don't ignorance is bliss a little bit, you know? And when I was younger, man, I just got up and played. It's the best. I don't care if it's not the right note. I don't care if it's out of tune, man. Look, look at how mu- I'm like, I'm just in it. I'm loving it, you know? And then you start realizing the consequences or, or, and the consequences might not be bad. That's kind of like a negative word I feel sometimes, but the payoffs of playing well or the payoffs of not playing well, you know what I mean? And then that starts like mm-hmm. getting in you. I feel like there's a lot there though. And in, in especially with our last episode of like, can you reconnect with why you used to love it? Or like there was a time that it used to be. I'm for all of us. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way too. Is it, it in, in a lot of ways when I made it my profession or I made it my job, there was a lot less like, I'm just going to do this for fun now. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I got to do this to make money. And it's hard to reconnect with just that, that same childlike passion Yeah, that I think, we, you know, drove us that, that alone drove us for so many years. Well, yeah. and I think sometimes too, when you face, like when you have rejection after rejection, that starts getting in your head too. And so you're like, what is it? Why am I being rejected? Okay. Cause it's not like clean enough. It's not, you know, whatever. And so that's kind of then where you start practicing all of that. And then you just only hear your flaws as opposed to, or you're, you only hear the weaknesses in your plane as opposed to maybe some of the good things. Mm-hmm. Cause like, even when you record yourself, don't you listen for like 
you're looking for your mistakes and that's important. Like we need to still do that, but then there's needs to be like, like you have to actually practice not doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Absolutely. No, All right, this has turned into like, no, I, no I, I think you're right though. I feel like I had a teacher once who told me that, you know, he was like, be extremely nitpicky during your practice sessions, strive only for the best, be very hard on yourself and then let go when you perform. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of really good stuff about that. I, but I guess my problem right now is I don't know how to necessarily let go. Cause then when you hear something, like when you're in the performance or in the audition or whatever, and you hear something that you don't love, you know, that's not perfect. That's like where you get mentally, or at least I get sidetracked, like mentally derailed. So I don't know, like, that's just what I mean. Like, I think I need to, like, you have to practice. Well, right. And doesn't that just come down to a very basic suggestion that we've probably heard forever is to play in front of people before auditions, you know, because then you can practice letting go. No, because I mean, literally, I, I agree. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Anna, but I think I know what Jess means. And unfortunately this, this phrase, like let it go is so active, you know, like we have to actively let something go. But, and I really like what you said earlier, Anna, about, you know, being nitpicky in the practice room, because I think the goal isn't, to disempower perfectionism or this, you know, striving for excellence. I think, I think that's actually healthy, but what we need to do is realize that that perfectionism and that excellence isn't everything. And I think when we realize that, like it's just one part of a much bigger picture, then we can let it go. I think if you still think perfectionism and excellence is everything and is, you know, the end of all means, well, no, you can't let go. It doesn't matter how much you want to. And and even, you know, I'm just going to have this, you know, group of friends to play in front of now and I'm going to do whatever. No, if you're not, if you're not aware that perfectionism isn't everything in the yeah. world of music making, then it's not going to happen. Like, sure. I think that's the, it all works. It all works to together. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think playing for people is nice, but it's more of like, for me, what is needing to be practiced is something like I can do even when I'm practicing by myself, but it's, or in rehearsals, I've started doing it in rehearsals, you know, where I do like maybe play something out of tune or I don't do something the way, you know, make the sound I know I can make. I mean, and just letting that go, like letting that mistake go. Well, and recovering quickly, right? Right. So I think quick recovery is imperative, whether it's practicing that in the verse, like you said, and especially on stage, right? So that you are able to mentally be like, eh, instead of hanging on to that mistake and be like, oh man, I can't believe I did this. Because you're inevitably going to mess up again if you dwell on it in the moment, right? Right. Like that's actually really hard. Oh yeah, I have of course been finding it is. that really hard. But I find when you do that, you also then are... um like you don't hear your colleagues' mistakes as, or maybe, I mean, you might still hear their mistakes, but you don't judge them as much for it. And this is what it comes down to is like, you're judging yourself mm-hmm. on. And I think, again, it's a lot about like, what is the motivation for your perfectionism? And if you are really honest with yourself, it might be because your self value and your self worth is based on that. Like, because that's how you're looking for acceptance. And, um, people to like you or whatever. Like there's some really serious, deep issues with where your perfectionism might like what your perfectionism might be based in. If you can like get to that point, then you like might hear a colleague's mistake or whatever, but you don't 
judge them for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. And so it can like just make you a healthier, happier person in your field or whatever. And I think you could do that in any field. I don't think it's necessarily just musicians, although we're like in that performance mode way more often probably than like work, but I don't know. Well, I think you being, you know, the audience member at Anna Sophie Mutra's concert is a great example of that. You know, in that moment, you knew it was about the performance and the music making and this grand, you knew it was, it was really something special and it wasn't about perfectionism. That's why you didn't need to judge her. You had no desire to judge her because you knew it was one small blip in a grand scheme of things. Right. Right. So if we can have perspective and also grace for ourselves and others, then we're going to combat perfectionism. Right. So, so we need to strive for excellence. Great. Love it. But we also need to really harbor grace. And I think there's no other way around it. You know, either you live a bitter life of perfection seeking or you try really hard to extend grace all the time. So Easier said than done. I'm not I saying know. I do this. No, I mean, I'm I just, just making a statement, not saying that I actually succeed. <laughs> well, there, there are like this. We've like really just scratched the surface of this. There are people that research this for their li- for their life. <laughs> and uh, I'll put some links to some of the other uh, stuff. Maybe I have a an interesting questionnaire. Find out. Are you a perfectionist? I uh, love a good questionnaire in, in the. In the in the show notes page, and I what I just I'm not gonna talk a whole lot about it, but uh, I think it was interesting for me because not every perfectionist looks the same. There are people not it's not a, it's not just the uh, type A like super driven. There are messy, sloppy, uh, you know, disorganized people that are perfectionists too. Well, because do you know why? Because you can't fail at something you haven't started yet. Mm. This is this is like this is a huge This is this is why and this is why perfectionists procrastinate. And this is why we so I don't think this is unique to me. I think it's but I don't know if necessarily everybody would have this particular fun trait. (laughs) But like it's all or nothing for me. So it's like if I don't have time to clean my entire apartment in the way that I feel like I need to clean it, then I just don't do it at all. Because I can't do just like one area because I have an hour. Like it all needs to be done at one time. And like, yeah. I need to do it. I like, like, I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? And so like, so it's, yeah, it's like a weird Jeff Fox where they're like, you might be a perfectionist right. if you don't want to start. Right. But it is a thing. Like so many people find it interesting that perfectionists procrastinate, but it's because you can't mm-hmm. fail at something you haven't tried or you can't fail at something you haven't started yet. Man, that's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, but this is I like think, if you're being very honest with yourself. And I don't think most uh, people would say that's why I haven't started. Because I don't think people necessarily know. They have you, ex- when did you it. figure it out, Jess? Um, recently, I just have a lot of awakenings over here. Okay. Recently. <laughs> um, no, I've been doing a lot of reading on it because I had... So here's the thing. I had this gig recently that I took, it was like a very last minute concert master gig where I had to play. Oh a, yeah. Hang on. You were, this was not just a little gig. You were concert master. Yeah, like, sure. 
invited why, just because you're so famous. This is famous. why I want a like, gig of the week segment. Maybe you play Mahler way too slow or airboat at the Super Bowl, accompanied a manual axe or Barbara Walters' birthday bash. Maybe you made lots of dough or ate your pay from TSO. Tell us all about it from your gig of the week. Maybe you nailed everything or faked your way through Rider Spring, got paid in beer and Taco Bell, or suffered through more pocketbills, saw Essa Pekasalanen or one of the Kardashians. Tell us all about it in your gig of the week. Gig of the week! Gig of the week! Here's the thing. I was called five days before the first rehearsal. It was very sick. I was so sick. And And I said yes, and then I looked at the rep, and Shahrazad was on it. And I was like, Wait a minute. It's <laughs> hmm. concert. Why? Because it's That's full kind of, of concert master solos. But so, anyway, I ended up going and somehow surviving. What was very interesting to me is I was at first like extremely intimidated because I didn't feel very well prepared because I didn't have much time and I was literally so ill. I was almost to the point where I was like, I don't care how it goes. Like I was almost that sick that I didn't care, <laughs> you know. So at first, I like just felt like. I don't know. And I'm like an outsider coming into this thing, you know, I don't know. It's strange. But then I realized like nobody knows me here and I don't know anybody. And so like, let's see what happens if I stop trying to be perfect in what I'm playing. And what was very interesting to me is that I, not only did I play much better when I wasn't trying to like be perfect, but my sound really changed. Ooh. Like, like no, like for me, it was like extremely noticeable between my first and second rehearsal mm. where I was like, like even the conductor on the second day was like, Oh, yeah. that was, that was different. Like, and not in like a bad way, you know, but it was just really interesting. And then in the performance, you know, cause you keep having these like little solos and cadenza type things and Shahrazad and a lot of them start with her. You know, her theme, the ba da 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 And you know, you're like, I'm like trying to find my first note. And then I, there was like one or two times that I would notice I'm trying to sneak in to see am I, am I perfectly in tune? And then it's not in tune when you're doing that. And then when I would just be like, <laughs> play it loud enough so you can actually hear what you're doing. It was, it, I mean, it was there. And so what I learned was that I don't trust myself in my playing. And when you don't trust yourself and you're playing, you don't play it. Like you cannot actually physically play it. And when I trusted myself and my prep Hmm. and I let my body do what I have practiced, right? So like, that's where, yes, you do need to do your work. Absolutely. But when you don't get in the way, when your brain doesn't get in the way of your body doing what you've been working on it to do does that make sense? That's such a poorly worded sentence but then you can actually do it much better right and that actually that ties back to what i was trying to say about letting go in performance because your muscle memory has been tuned enough to know what is going to happen and then of course like like you're saying when you make the mistake that's when your brain is like oh my brain is on derail derail and so but i do think that if you trust yourself Sure, mistakes are going to happen, but your fingers do know what to do and where to go, right? Right. I guess my thing is I have to like my brain kicks in before we even start playing. Right. And so that's like Get I guess like, where we have to like where yeah. like the work for me needs to be done. Is sure. like I need to like I don't know. It was just very eye-opening to be like, "Oh, if I trust myself and just do it, like that's what my playing actually sounds like. And I think that's the other thing is you forget what you actually sound like when you're just 
or at least I have, I just have forgotten like what I actually sound like. And it's not bad. <laughs> like, even though that's what I've been telling myself. Yeah. What? I, I think you, it's like, well, also you learn a lot from presenting. Oh yes. If you're always just like whittling away in the practice room. You, you're not, you, you gain so much from like yeah. going through, like seeing it to the end. Sorry guys. I've been going through a time. <laughs> And and this is it's all coming out here. <laughs> you are representative, I think, of all of us that as we talk about this and we start thinking about things, we learn so much about ourselves and why why we do what we do. And I don't know, I think it, it all it's all intertwined. Yeah. And well, it is all intertwined, especially in this type of a field, I think. It That's comes true. out Hopefully. it just comes out more. I'm not saying that other professions aren't intertwined, but um Ours can become more audible, I think, like the intertwinedness. Is that a word? The intertwinedness? Intertwinedness. Sure. <laughs> what did you say? Intertwinchin. Intertwinchin. <laughs> I like that one. But yeah, I think that it's like you just, I don't know, and it's become like, it can become like very physical manifestation for us. I don't know. All right. So much to think about. Lots of good resources in the show notes page. Perservice.co slash 35. All right, guys. I am Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. Well, that is our show, folks. If you want to see some of the resources we mentioned in this episode, head on over to Perservice.co slash 35. And that is our show notes page. And you might find some other goodies there if you happen to be preparing some excerpts for auditions because we are the fun side of orchestraexcerpts.com, which is a site I started to help musicians prepare excerpts for auditions. So please let us know what you think about the show, good or bad. You can leave us an iTunes review. It helps other musicians find our show and it makes us feel good too because we're shallow and we crave validation. And there are a very special group of dedicated listeners who help us out every month by pledging their support of the show on Patreon.com. And they help us afford microphones and other equipment, the stuff that breaks down. And I'd like to say a quick thank you to those people, Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lavengood, Anne Brigaman, and Sarah Lee. Thank you for helping to keep this show running. May love and joy come to you, and to you a wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. Whatever a wassail is, I hope that's a good thing. And if you are able and would like to support us with a financial contribution, you can find us on patreon.com and just search for our show. All right, don't go too far. We've got another great episode coming up soon about playing it safe or playing it forward. (laughs) Until then, be well and practice well. That wasn't quite perfect. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I don't think you're, I don't know if you're good enough to keep a uh, do mouth trumpet. <laughs> maybe it's because I never practice it. Yeah. Well, maybe you should strive for excellence in the practice room and, and then let it go. Before I'm there. Okay.